0: Ezekiel chapter number 3, i just tell you on the forefront uh, this morning, I don't know how much uh, I'm going to preach a message to you this morning uh, as much as I'm just going to share my heart with you a little bit today. And I hope you do see my heart uh, in the message this morning. Uh, Ezekiel chapter number 3, look at verse number 14 with me. The Bible says, So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to them of the captivity of Tel that dwelt by the river of Kibar. And here it is, here's our text verse, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, And give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked. Thou shalt surely die and thou givest him not warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way. To save his life the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he had done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he did not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered Thy soul. I take your mind and attention back to verse number 15, and Ezekiel said, I sat where they sat. And for the next few minutes, I want to preach on this subject the effects, the effects of sitting where they sat let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God, how it changes lives. But dear God, our lives are also changed by the people that we meet along this journey called life. And dear God, ever since last Thursday out soul winning, as I sat where they sat, I hope my life will never be changed or i hope my life will forever be changed because of that day and dear god i pray lord today that you would give me the the minds and the hearts of every young person here today and lord i pray lord as a result of what you do in all of our hearts here today Lord, that we would have even more of a burden to tell this lost and dying world about the saving grace of the lord jesus christ And Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let me lay a foundation here for just a moment, then we'll get right into the message. We find that Ezekiel, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God, is announcing God's judgment on Israel and other nations and is foretelling them of the eventual salvation of God's people. We find that Ezekiel was a younger contemporary of Jeremiah. And while Jeremiah preached and prophesied to the people that were still in Judah, Ezekiel prophesied to those that were already exiled in Babylon. And Ezekiel himself was among those captives taken to babylon while jeremiah was prophesying in jerusalem that the city would soon fall to the babylonians ezekiel was giving the same message to the captives who were already there in babylon like those in jerusalem the captives stubbornly believed that jerusalem would not fall and that they would soon return back to their land that they, were, they came from. Ezekiel warned them that punishment was certain because of their sin, and that God was going to purify his people one way or another. And God, may we all be reminded today that God will always punish sin, whether we believe it or not. And payday may not always be on Friday, but payday for sin will always come. And Ezekiel condemns the sinful acts of seven seven different nations. The people in these nations were saying that God was obviously too weak to defend his people and the city of Jerusalem. But God was going to allow his own people to be defeated In order to punish them for their own sin these heathen nations however would face a similar fate and they would know that God is all-powerful once and forever and those who dare to mock God today will also face a terrible fate one of these days I want us now to see the verses here again that I read for us this morning We see that up to this point in the verses that I read, Ezekiel was faithful to go about proclaiming God's judgment upon the land. He was faithful to fulfill the the call that God had placed on his life. We see in verse number 14 in the verses that I read that Ezekiel was angry. Look what the Bible said. The Bible says in verse number 14, So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness. Now, we understand that Ezekiel was not angry. He wasn't mad at God. But Ezekiel was angry. He was mad. He was bitter at the sin and the hard-heartedness of the people of the land. And then that brings us to verse number 15. We read in verse number 15, the Bible says, Then I came uh, to them of the captivity of Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river of Kadar, and I sat where they sat, and remained there astonished among them seven days. We see that Ezekiel's uh, heart began to change uh, when he sat where they sat. The Bible says that I, he said, I was astonished. That word astonished means overwhelmingly surprised. It means that Ezekiel was taken back. Ezekiel became saddened by the effects of sin on the people. I wonder this morning how many of us in this room, I wonder how many times I, have been like Ezekiel before verse number 15. I wonder how many of us have been faithful to proclaim the word of God. We've been faithful to get the gospel out. We've been faithful to go here and there. We've been faithful to fulfill our quota of two or three hours of visitation. We've been faithful to the hustle and bustle of ministry. But at times, we're never affected by the destruction that sin causes upon the people that we're talking to. Let me give you a little bit of a background of where this message came from. Every week, I get at least half a dozen, maybe eight to ten different text messages or emails from bus captains, bus workers, faithful soul winners of our church. And they'll text me of somebody they came across in their soul winning efforts that they believe that they could benefit from the Victory in Jesus addiction outreach. Every Thursday, I go out with John Fugit. We go out from 10 to 12 and we make up, we make those follow up visits from bus captains and faithful soul winners. And then we'll go to lunch and then from one to two, we'll go out knocking doors and go soul winning. The morning started by us going and making two visits that Faith or Blake and Faith Perry had given us and then we were going to visit a family uh, 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 that, that the kids ride the bus of Brother John Fugit. That morning started out where we left 1220 Brandon Road and we went over to Delmont, uh, Delmont Avenue here in Lexington and we met a lady, her name was Connie. She saw John, she said, I know who you are, I've seen you many times at church, but she looked at me and she said, I've never seen you at church on Sunday. And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a bad church member, I'm never there on Sunday, I, I, I'm never there. But anyhow, uh, uh, we began to talk to her, and, 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 and I began to tell her, I said, uh, uh, my name is Chris Dallas, and I said, I'm the director of the uh, Victory in Jesus Addiction Outreach. And as soon as I made that statement, tears began to stream down her face. And she said, Mr. Dallas, you said, she said, my heart breaks, she said, because, she said, we just, me and my husband, Ron, we just buried our daughter about six months ago. And she said, Ron had been sober for about 17 years. And just a few weeks ago, Ron went back and he went back to drinking. He's been on a drunken binge ever since. And she said, Brother Dallas, or she she said, Mr. Dallas, she said, to be completely honest with you, she said, I've had the bottle in my hand many times since I buried my daughter. And she said, I'm just thinking about drinking as well and just throwing the towel in and just giving up. And I've always had the principle, I've always had the conviction that I don't hug any women except for my wife or my mom, but Connie, probably in her mid-70s, I just felt compelled that day just to put my arm around her and just pray for her and pray that, she, she had given a testimony of salvation and said that she was saved. And I began to, I began to pray that God would make himself powerful in her life and allow the Holy Spirit to bring the comfort that he does give to each and every one of us through those times. She cried there for a little bit longer, and we left uh, after about 10 or 15 minutes after I prayed for her, and she said that she would come to the victory in Jesus' meeting that night. And then we left and we just went right around the corner to Delmont Court and we visited a, a, a couple named Israel and Felicia. We didn't meet Israel there that day, but Felicia was out in the car, and when we pulled up, we pulled up in my truck, and I have a license plate on the front of my truck that says uh, Sheepdog Ministries. And she was in her car, and she was smoking a cigarette. When she saw Sheepdog Ministries, she flipped that cigarette. She was embarrassed because she was smoking in front of me. And I said, Felicia, you don't have anything to be embarrassed about uh, for, for me about it. And so we talked a little bit, and I began to give her my card, and I began to say, you know, my name is Chris Dallas. I'm the director of our Victory in Jesus Addiction Outreach. And all of a sudden, when I made that statement, tears began to stream down her face. She said, Mr. Dallas, she said, I've been, I, I, I've been saved for a long time. I got saved as a nine-year-old girl. And she said, uh, but I, but I began to backslide as a teenager and I began to get into wicked and vile sins. And she said, I, I began to drink alcohol and I began to uh, uh, use drugs and I began to do all that. She said, but I went to a rehab and I, I, I got sober. And she said, I've been sober for many, many years. And she said, matter of fact, she said, she said, I'm I, I married to a man that I met in rehab and I married him uh, against all wishes of my family they told me not to marry him but I married him anyhow now we have these kids and she said she said Mr. Dallas she said my husband uh, got hooked on pornography uh, years and years ago and uh, when pornography did not satisfy he began to cheat on me and she said I I, I believe our whole family is about to split up in tears I'm talking about just shaking crying uh, uncontrollably she was crying there in, in, in her in her driveway there that day and she said if Israel leaves me I don't know, I don't have a clue where I'm gonna live. I don't know what's gonna happen to my children if we don't have a roof over our head. As we spent time praying for Felicia and Israel, we left there and I could tell it was real quiet as we began to drive across town to to the Matador Apartments there where we were gonna visit the family for brother John. It was real quiet in there, and I could tell, John could tell that I was, and I could tell that he was. We were both fighting the tears back that day. And as we went over to the Manador Apartments, and we began to visit a young couple named William and Laura that have a couple of kids that ride John's bus route, William met us out in the parking lot there of the apartments, and will begin to say that how Laura had, had been sober for a long time, but... Uh, she, she went back to Union about a month ago, and he was going to check her into rehab later on that week, and, and uh, John said, well, can we talk to Laura? And so we all went up there together, and we began to talk to Laura, and as we were talking to William out there in the parking lot, we could see the drug dealers uh, pushing their dope off to people that were driving through. I mean, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and you could tell the drug dealers didn't want us anywhere near uh, William or Laura, especially Laura, because she was buying the drugs from those drug dealers that were right there. And as we were talking to William and Laura out there in the hallway of, uh, of, uh, of their apartments, William said, I, I said, well, I said, William, I said, he said, we're moving out of here. He said, matter of fact, I've already been down to the manager's office today. He said, we're moving out of here. I said, well, where are you going to go, buddy? And he said, he said, I don't know where we're going to go. He said, we're probably going to live on the streets. He said, but the streets are a lot safer than these apartments that we're living in. As we were talking to William and Laura, the main drug pusher there in the Matador apartments came in. He had his phone in his hand and he had his rap music playing just so loud. And as when he came walking through the hallway of that apartment complex, I'm talking like the people from out of the woodwork just begin to walk outside of their uh, walk outside of their apartments like zombies. And it became a little bit fearful there for just a moment. And as we began to head home, Brother John and I, we couldn't take it any longer. And we began to weep there in the truck. And we began to pray for Ron and Connie once again. And we began to pray for Israel and Felicia and William and Laura. And as I dropped them off there that day and I went back home to the camp for just a little bit and freshen up to come back uh, to the Victory in Jesus meeting that night, uh, you, you know, I had to wipe the tears away. I had to suck it up and I had to get up in front of a crowd and uh, be strong for all those people in the Victory in Jesus and uh, teach the Word of God and uh, teach them how they could have victory for that day. And and, and as, uh, as I finished the Victory in Jesus meeting that night and I began to journey my uh, journey back towards uh, Lancaster there, uh, John called me uh, about halfway home and he he said or he texted me he said brother Dallas he said how are you doing and I said John I said I I haven't been able to keep the tears from flowing all day he said brother Dallas he said I've been weeping all day myself and he made a statement and here's where the message came from he said brother Dallas he said I wish every high school and every college student could have been with us today and maybe just maybe we could have we could spare some of them from turning their back on God and living a life of sin and I add to John's statement today on the flip side of that when you and I will sit where they sat ministry will no longer be what is required of us but it will be our life to love people and to reach people and to help people along the way. When you and I sit where they sat, we will become the ones that catches the tears of those broken by sin. When we sit where they sat, Oh, yeah, we'll have to drop off our soul winning clothes at the cleaners because it has the sense of cigarette smoke. When we sit where they sat, we'll have to drop folks off at the homeless shelter because of them being evicted by their apartment complex. When we sit where they sat, we'll be the only ones all week long to tell that little bus boy or that little bus girl that I love you. When we sit where they sat, we'll be the ones that will have to go to CVS or Walgreens to buy the medicine to get rid of the lice. When we sit where they sat, we'll be the ones that will have to go to Walmart or Kroger and buy bread and lunch meat and cereal so the kids can have something to eat for that week. When we sit where they sat, we'll be the ones that'll have to stop by the bank and get a roll of quarters so they can have money to wash their clothes. When we sit where they sat, we'll be the ones that'll get the phone calls in the middle of the night talking people out of committing suicide and to pour the liquor out on the ground instead of taking a drink. When we sit where they sat, we'll be the ones to pick up that bus kid up at Mama's Sunday morning, then drop them off at another location at Daddy's Sunday afternoon. When we sit where they sat, our hearts will get ripped out because of picking up a bus kid this week. And next week go by there and the house is completely empty. So I was working out at the camp this Tuesday, Brother Caleb Young and I were working and we took a break and went to lunch. He began to talk to me about a, about certain different families on his bus route and he said, Brother Dallas, he says, there's so, there some kids that are so disruptive and so uh, so mischievous and just just so, uh, just so mean and hateful on the bus route. He said, but you know what? He says, some, some of those kids, I never go and tell their mom and dad uh, uh, the, 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 the problems that they cause on the bus route because I know that they would have it harder at home than me getting on to them at the, on the bus route. For the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you for just a few minutes, the effects. Of sitting where they sat. Look at verse number 15. The effects of sitting where they sat. The Bible says that I came to them of the captivity of Tel that dwelt by the river of Kedar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. Look at verse number 19 with me. The Bible says, Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Look at verse number 20. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he had done, shall not be remembered. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Can I say, number one, big point? Number one is this the repercussions of sitting where they sat, or the effects of sitting where they sat. Number one, we'll see the repercussions of sin. The repercussions of sin. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, I, I was preaching in Bowling Green, uh, uh, Kentucky, for Brother Jared Young. And uh, as uh, after I got through preaching that morning, uh, Nikita and I were following Brother Jared and Miss Hannah and their children uh, to go and eat lunch. Uh, uh, that afternoon, and as we begin to drive through the city there of Bowling Green, we begin to see the remains uh, uh, of the tornado that went there through there a couple of years ago. And I begin to notice something about a tornado: a tornado not, didn't, didn't just focus on the shacks in the ghetto, but it also demolished uh, uh, the, the mansions as well. And can I say, my friend, a uh, uh, city is like a tornado. It not only demolishes the mansions uh, in its path, but it destroys the shacks as well. Can I say it destroys the rich? It destroys the poor. Can I say, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. You will pay far more than you're willing to pay. Can I say, go with me across the country as I travel and I go out soul winning week after week. and I'll go to Alabama this week and I was in Florida last week. Go with me as I knock on the doors and I see the broken lives that sin causes. And So many times they'll tell me, Brother Dallas, I was saved as a teenager. I even went off the Bible college, but I turned my back on God. Can I tell you, my friend, Hey, don't ever get your mind and don't ever get your eyes off of God. If you keep your eyes on God, you'll always be going in the right direction, my friend. Go and ask that bus kid's parent. They'll all tell you it all started with just wanting to have just a little bit of fun. Can I say it is fun for a season, but a season don't last very long, my friend. When we sit where they sat, Number one, there's the repercussions of sin. Number two, very quickly look at verse number 17. The Bible says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou hast given him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. The effects of sitting where they sat, number one, we'll see the repercussions of sin. But number two, when we sit where they sat, we'll see that we have a responsibility as his servant. Before I actually, before I really was influenced by Preacher Fugit and before I came here to Claysmill Baptist Church and to work out of the ministries here at Claysmill Baptist Church, my whole mindset when it come to revival, the definition of revival, it's completely changed in these last six or seven years that I've been here. I used to think that when we would actually see a revival in our nation, or we would see a revival in our churches, it would be earth-shattering, and boy, it would be very visible to the eye. But my whole perception of revival has completely changed. And I believe with all my heart, revival, the reason I love this place so much is because I believe absolutely revival is happening here at Clay's Middle Baptist Church and Commonwealth Baptist College, like the revivals that I've read about and I've heard about. And I believe the true definition of revival is, it's those of us that are saved have a consistency burden for lost sinners. Amen. And I'm thankful for that consistent burden for lost sinners. Back a few weeks ago when we had the Church Growth Conference, I was sitting in the office, and I think Brother Fisher might have been in there as well, we were sitting in the office and Brother Chris Fugit and Preacher were there and, and, and Brother Burton Gates that was here that passes the Liberty Baptist Church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was on a Wednesday night and they were going to show his video the next night and Preacher had not seen the video yet or maybe he had seen it. He wanted Brother Chris to see it. And so I afforded it to preacher and he pulled up his iPad and they began to watch the video. And they begin to see uh, uh, they, they begin to see all the uh the, the, those that were addicted to drugs just walking through the streets of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania like zombies and just seeing all the shattered lives and all the broken lives. And I began to see tears streaming down preacher's uh streaming down preacher's face. And I looked over there at Brother Chris Fugit and tears were streaming down his face, and I began to think preacher been saved for over fifty years, Brother Chris been saved for over forty years, and boy, they've seen countless souls saved by the grace of God, but they still keep a tender heart uh, for lost sinners. And can I say, my friend, can I say, uh, the responsibility of the servant, and I understand I'm preaching to a good group of people, uh, young people, that go out soul winning, and you have a burden uh, for lost sinners, uh, but can I tell you, can, can I maybe say to somebody here this morning, uh, telling somebody about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't just lie on the shoulder of Preacher Fugit and the staff of Commonwealth Baptist College. Can I say Young person, if you're saved by the good grace of God, it lies on every one of our shoulders to tell somebody about what Jesus has done in our lives. Brother ask why do you drive or fly seventy thousand miles a year in America and overseas? Why do you live most of your life out of a suitcase? Why do you sleep in a different bed in a motel room every week of your life? Why do you kiss the wife goodbye on most Saturdays and don't see her again till we see? I'll tell you why. Because my friend, lost sinners are going to that place called hell and somebody has got to tell them about Jesus. Amen. The effects of sitting where they sat. Not only are there the repercussions of sin, not only is it the responsibility of the servant, but lastly, and I finish, look at verse number 21. The Bible says, nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. Not only will we see the repercussions of sin, not only will we see the responsibility of the servant. But lastly, when we do our part that God has told us to do, number three, there's the rejoicing of the saints. There's the rejoicing of the saints. How many of you have won somebody to Christ in the last two to four weeks? How many of you led somebody to Christ? Doesn't it make your heart rejoice when you lead somebody to Christ? Isn't it a wonderful thing to tell somebody else about what Jesus has done for you? This summer, my wife and I went on a cruise for vacation. I don't know if I've told the story here yet or not. I I don't believe this is the first time I've preached chapel this year, so, so many of you have not heard. We went on a cruise this summer. And if you've ever been on a cruise before, at supper they'll ask you if you wanna just have open seating and you can go at any time you want to or you can pick a time that you want to go and they'll put you with a family that you can sit with at supper each night. And my response was, can I have both of those? Amen. Can I have open seating and can I have, can I pick what time I want to go to? Nikita and I picked a certain time that we wanted to go and when you do that they put, they put you with people at your table that you have things in common with. For instance, Nikita and I have been married for 16 years Chris and Maggie that we sat with, they'd been married for 17 years. Chris and Maggie had never had children, Nikita and I never had children, so they put us, they put you with people that, that you have things in common with. And so the very first night we sat there with, we, we, we sat where they sat with Chris and Maggie, and uh, we began to ask questions to one another, and I asked Chris what kind of work that he did, and he said, he said I worked for the IRS, and immediately he became my enemy right then and there, amen. And Maggie was just a stay-at-home wife. And and, and, and then he asked me the question. He said, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I, I'm a preacher. I'm an evangelist. I travel across the country. And he said, well, do you have one of your business cards? And, well, my business card's a gospel track. Amen. And so I, I gave him a gospel track there. It was one of my Victory in Jesus gospel tracks. And I had my picture on there and all that. And, boy, he just sat there and read it there that night. And the very next night he came... And the very first thing he said to me, we sat there for supper, and the very first thing he said to me, he said, he said, Mr. Dallas, he said, I, I went on YouTube last night and I watched one of your sermons. And I was saying to myself, oh, my goodness, he's done watched one of my sermons. And he said, man, you sure do give it all you got when you preach, don't you? And the and first thing that came out of my, my mouth was, well, I gave it all I had to the devil when I was lost. I'm going to give it all I can to God for now that I'm saved. We talked a little bit there and and and, and he began so he said, So you're a Baptist, huh? And I said, Yes, sir. I said, I'm a part of a, a Baptist church there, Clays Mill Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. I said, Chris, I said, Do you and Maggie go to church anywhere? And he said, Well, he said, he said, We practice Catholicism. He said, but he said we're not he, he, he said we're not actively practicing Catholicism. And I, I began to ask him, and I already knew the, the answers, I began to ask him, well, what do, what do you believe? And he began to tell me what he believed, and obviously Catholics don't believe the, the true Bible way of salvation. We sat there that night, and as we got up from, from the dinner table, boy, Nikita and I just began to get burdened for Chris and Maggie. And every night before we would go to bed, we would just pray for Chris and Maggie that somehow some way God would give an open door and soften their heart to the gospel. And every morning I would get up and they had a walk around track there at the, uh, on the ship, and I would just walk around and multiple times as I would walk, I would pray that God would somehow some way let me share the gospel with Chris and Maggie, and somehow some way they'd get saved by the grace of God. All week long, we sat where they sat. And boy, we just even it became even more burdened day after day. And on that Friday night, as we were sitting there at supper time, I said, "Chris," he said, I, "I said I've seen you have that gospel track in your pocket every night that you've come to church." I said, "Chris," I said, "Have you read that gospel track in detail?" He said, "Well, Chris," he said, I, "I've read it time and time again." He said, "But it just don't all make sense to me." I said, "Well, can I make a little bit more sense of it?" And he said, "Well, sure." And so I handed Maggie one and Chris had his open. And I began to share the gospel with him. I said, Chris, I said, the Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, you know what that word all means, don't you? I said, it means that you're a sinner. It means Maggie a sinner. I said, it means even me as a preacher, that I'm a sinner. I said, Nikita's really a sinner. I said, we're all sinners. And I said, Chris, the Bible also says because of our sin, there's a penalty of death and hell. I said, I said, you know, if a person dies without knowing Christ as their Savior, they'll die and be separated from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. I said, Chris, that's bad news. I said, but the good news is nobody has to die and go to hell because of the shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Because God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I said, Chris, the Bible says my favorite verse in the entire Bible says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord." shall be saved. And I said, Chris, I said, I, I said, I said, that that's the simple gospel message right there. I said, Chris, I said, if God would save, and I looked at him and I said, Maggie, I said, if God would save you right here, right now, I said, would you let God save you right here, right now? And they said, yeah, we sure would, Mr. Dallas. And we all bowed our head and we bowed our heart there that night on that cruise in Boston, Massachusetts. And both of them bowed their head and they got saved by the grace of God. We still stay in contact with them today. Can I say, there's rejoicing when you tell somebody, about what uh, Jesus has done in your life. Last night, yesterday, John and I were out visiting and we passed by a transition home that we hadn't stopped by in months. And we saw a fellow walking out there yesterday. His name was John. And we stopped by and said, John, we got a Victory in Jesus meeting tonight, Addictions Outreach meeting. I said, we'll pick you up. We'll feed you a good meal. And we're going to have a good Bible lesson on teaching you how to have victory. And I said, do you want to come tonight? And John said, yeah, I want to come. We took the van by there. We picked John up last night. John came to that Victory in Jesus meeting. He heard the glory. His gospel the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And my brother-in-law, Brad, I took him to the side room there and shared the gospel with him. And John bowed his head and bowed his heart and called him, uh, called him the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, my friend, Hey, I understand many of us are busy and we get so wrapped up in the hustle and bustle of life. But can I say, let's not let it be a job. Let's let it be a ministry and see it where they sat and be affected by the lives that were reaching. Let's stand all across the room this morning. Can I ask you, when's the last time you weren't just doing things to fulfill a quota, but you actually just took time to sit where they sat?